0: You're listening to Cards to the Moon, a podcast about trading cards from both a collector and investor perspective. We hope you'll stick around for the ride as we take a deep dive into the state of the hobby, share some hot takes, hopefully some useful advice and fun stories along the way. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cards to the Moon podcast. My name is Clark from fivecardguys.com and fivecardguys on Instagram. I'm recording the intro solo today for this Friday episode, but we do have a special guest interview that will play in just a bit. His name is Shane Norton, AKA sportscardnobody on Instagram, and he's a big time wrestling card collector. So if you're into wrestling cards, I think you'll really enjoy this episode, and if you don't know anything about wrestling cards like me before this interview, I think you'll learn a lot from Shane. We talk about the history of wrestling cards and all the way to what's popular today. Oh, and if you're going to the national later this month, Shane, along with others, is hosting a get-together on the Friday of that national week for wrestling card collectors, which is invite-only but it's real easy to get on the list, which he talks about in the interview. So stay tuned for that. But before we start the interview, I'm just going to announce the winner of our 2023 Top Series 2 Hangar Box Contest that we announced only on this podcast just a couple weeks ago. And the winner is Andrew Harvey. Congratulations, Andrew. We'll reach out to you on Instagram and we'll get it to you as soon as possible. And thanks to all of you who DM'd us on Instagram, at Cards to the Moon, to enter, and for being a loyal listener of the pod. We'll do some more giveaways in the future, so don't worry if you did not win this time around. Okay, with that, let's play the interview with Shane Norton, where he gives a thorough primer on wrestling cards. Enjoy. Alright, we have another special guest on today's podcast episode. His name is Shane Norton, and you can find him on Instagram at sportscardnobody. And if you're now on Instagram threads, you can find him there too with the same handle. Uh, that's where I actually found out that Shane is really into wrestling cards, which is why I wanted him to come on the show, because truthfully, I know very little about wrestling cards, although... I personally grew up watching WWE, well, I think it was called WWF back then when the stars were Hulk Hogan, Randy Macho Man Savage, and The Iron Sheik, just to name a few. But I know like sports cards, there's a wide variety of wrestling cards um, dating back all the way to the 1980s. So I'm hoping Shane will guide us through what's out there, what to look for, and just kind of give us a, a primer, so to speak, on wrestling cards in general. So, without further ado, Shane, welcome to the podcast.
1: Oh, Clark, thank you so much, man. Uh, you know, before we get into anything, not to just sit here and kiss your butts, but um, there's a <laughs> lot of hobby content out there. There's, you know, I mean, there's a ton of us all making sure. podcasts and YouTube channels, and over the last couple of years, as I've sort of taken a deep dive into hobby content. At one point, I had 100 things I was listening to, and I've cut that way down. And your guys' show Mm -hmm. is still one of them that I enjoy listening to. I really love what you guys are bringing to this space, man. So awesome, awesome job. And yeah, super stoked to come on here and talk some wrestling, man. Let's do it.
0: Yeah, thanks so much, Shane. I really appreciate that. And I know there's a lot of podcasts out there. And I, I we, we actually always say on our podcast, we love the more content that's out there, the better for the hobby. So, 100%.
1: Um,
0: so all power to the people trying to create new hobby content, uh, like yourself. Well, we'll get into that too in, in a bit. But um, before we dive into the world of wrestling cards, which I'm actually eager to learn about, um, do you want to share your story of how you got into the hobby in general? And yeah, where's your, you know, where's your hobby story begin?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I have a super unique story in that I collected when I was a kid, and then I stopped, and then mm-hmm. I came back. I'm just kidding. I think that's every one of us since the <laughs> pandemic, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was me, man. When I was a kid, I mean, I collected everything. I collected Ninja Turtles cards. I remember me and my friends was like begging our parents for like 50 cents or whatever it was like over and over. So we can keep going to the the local corner store to pick up Ninja Turtle cards because you could like build the (laughs) puzzle when you put it all together. I mean, we were just like just nuts over that. And then as I got a little bit older into like elementary school, it was baseball cards, it was football cards marvel cards i was such a big marvel collector mm-hmm. i was super close to completing the um i think it's 1994 skybox uh might have been even like 99 okay. 1993 but um that was the set where when you put them inside of the nine page binders it would make one big poster basically oh yeah yeah and i loved collecting that That's and then cool. it got stolen from me i don't know what happened to that oh. whole set so i never <laughs> finished it um but yeah fast forward Jeez. you know get a little bit older kind of fell out of it for whatever reason. High school is probably when it really started to fall off into college. But then um, I'll try to make this story short, short and sweet. But in 2018, I was um, finally marrying my, my my now wife. We'd been together forever. We mm-hmm. were engaged for a couple of years, finally getting married. And for a wedding gift, we had said we weren't going to really do wedding gifts. So I decided to get her tickets to... Uh, we were living in Los Angeles at the time and the Packers, she's a Packers fan. We're coming out to play the Rams. So I decided to pick up a, a set of tickets for her cause she had never been to a game. So mm-hmm. I buy those. And then the, the morning of my wedding, I was sort of like, I hadn't come up with a way to present them because I didn't have the physical tickets yet. They weren't out. You know, you could buy the tickets. I bought them from a season ticket yeah. holder or whatever. So I was trying to come up with a way to present this to my wife. And I just got this like silly idea. So, um, I ran to a target that morning. And I picked up a whole bunch of football cards. I think they were score cards. Yeah, they were score cards.
0: And I went up to the customer okay.
1: service desk and I go up to the woman who's there and I say, Hey, so I am looking for two cards. It was Aaron Rodgers and Todd Gurley at the time. I didn't, you know. I was like, I'm right. just looking for two cards out of these sets. Is it okay if I just like open these? And then whenever I open, I'll pay for and put the rest back. And she's looking at me like, uh no, we can't. <laughs> okay. What are you talking about? I was like, no, no, listen, I'm not, I'm gonna pay for everything I open, but I really and she's and like, all right. I'm getting married. I start to explain that, and then she hears, you know, the wedding things. Uh, she gets her boss to come over, and they're like, "Yeah, let's do this." So then these two women are like helping me rip open all these packs, <laughs> just looking for those cards. But finally, I don't know how many we ripped, found the two uh, yeah. the two guys that I was looking for. Paid for maybe it was like 15 packs or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this was a lot easier to get packs then. Although we're in it, we're in a good spot now. You can go to Target and get cards now again. True. But, um, yeah. Uh, so I got those two cards. I made like a nice little letter, whatever. And that's how I presented the gift. <clears throat> hmm. We get married. Wedding's amazing. Love loved the whole day. But um, after that, I, I had these cards still. You know, she didn't really want them. And, and Todd Gurley was like the MVP of me winning fantasy football, I think, one or two years nice. prior. So I was like, I'm going to keep okay. this. That's kind of cool. And then I was like. Well, then Christian McCaffrey was a big deal for my, you know, as part of the three P and then David Johnson's the guy who started the three, I should get all of their cards, right? Little by little, I got these cheap little like $2 cards or whatever off eBay. It's like, then I realized, wait, there's better versions. There's Mm -hmm. auto patch versions. Let me do, and that just opened up the floodgates a little bit, but it was really, I was still only dabbling until the pandemic, like everybody else. And then I went full bore at that point and
0: here I am. Mm. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah no that's i i appreciate that background in that story too with your wedding and everything that, that definitely adds some color to how it, how it all began all right so yeah uh well okay l- well let's get into wrestling now as a as a newbie wrestling card collector myself c- can you start uh with a little bit of the history of wrestling cards and You know, like for sports cards, I I would talk about how Topps dominated the industry and then Panini and Leaf and Upper Deck became competitors later (laughs) on. I wonder if there's like a similar story there for wrestling cards. And, and, uh, you know, fast forward to where we are now. Can you tell us what brands are popular today?
1: Yeah, well, so if you're really looking into like vintage um, wrestling, yeah. The the history of it is actually kind of sporadic. You know, there were there wasn't like a a major tops company that ran with it for years and years and years, like in baseball, you know, mm. still having that license, however, you know, was it like 70 years later or whatever it is they're up to? Right. Um, yeah. the real set that kind of is considered, you know, like the um like the 52 tops is mm-hmm. the 1982 83 Wrestling All Stars, it's called. This was a set that you could get out of a magazine. The print runs are a little sketchy about how many they were actually made. There's a lot of questions about it. But this set came out and it included all of the major stars at the time. It's what's considered Hulk Hogan's rookie card. There is some debate there, especially some, um, you know, there's some cards from Japan. There's some cards that came out of like wrestling figures. So there's some debate there. But nonetheless, if you ask any standard wrestling collector, what is Hulk Hogan's rookie card? It's the wrestling Mm all-stars, the 82-83 all-stars. Uh, that, that's, is that the
0: yellow background?
1: Uh, yeah, it's got like that, yeah, that border on. So not just the background, actually, because um, you might be talking about uh the tops eighty seven. I think is the year okay. that a lot of people right, will right. also talk about as rookie cards. A debate, and there's uh-huh. two versions of it: one with a yellow background, and one with a blue background. Um, Great. but okay, so there's some debate because that one's actually tops, right? Now you're into an actual um, you know, licensed brand brand name. So some people will argue that sure, that's the card, sure. but for the most part, it's the eighty-two, eighty-three all-stars. And that's a, it's okay. What's cool about that set is it's basically, it looks like what you and I look like right now on this, on the interview, right? It's like a portrait of just our heads. There's like a little wavy mm-hmm. banner on the top of it. And it's a kind of a, some people will say a, a bland design, but it's nice. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just featuring the the guys all big and prominent. And it's got a lot of major, major stars from the era. Uh, Andre the Giants in there. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of the major guys that really helped kick this off. So that's really what people consider the vintage. if you're a vintage wrestling collector, a lot of people collect that, especially Mm -hmm. the big thing is people not only collecting those, but collecting autographs. You know, obviously, these are all in-person autographs. It was, you know, um, everything's done after the fact. And that gets really interesting when you look at, like, the uh, PSA registries. I'll try not to get into this too, too much because there's a lot of drama between the folks that (laughs) collect these cards. And, like, they're super competitive. Um, David Peck is a name that comes up a lot. He was sort of – he was, like, one of the first collectors to really start putting wrestling all-stars out there as – a brand, a, a set that people need mm. to collect. He was way ahead of the curve. And then, you know, however many years ago, I mean, I, I mean over a decade ago, I think he was pushing this, maybe even more. Uh, you know, he had gotten mm. featured in, I think Beckett Magazine at one point because of him being so ahead of the curve on this. But now that is known as like the set and the competition is fierce. I mean, guys have cards that they refuse to sell. They have cards yeah. that multiple copies of them that they, they really hold on to. And yeah, yeah, the folks chasing down all the autographs is interesting because- you know, a lot of these wrestlers have passed, so it's hard to find mm, some of these autographs, um, you know, and, and people that have put together incredible PSA registries, you know, the, the competitions that go on there again. And sometimes on Twitter, it gets a little, it's like we're in the wrestling ring <laughs> sometimes, but, uh, <laughs> but that's right. kind of the long and the short, that, that is kind of what's known as like the... Um, main vintage set. There are even older okay. cards you can find from the 30s and things of that nature, but that's kind of where we, we really would kick off. Okay, this is when wrestling kind of started in a semi-mainstream way as it evolved right. over time.
0: Um, Understood.
1: Yeah, and then after that you do get to like the 1987 tops and that's where people will somewhat make the argument that that should be Hulk Hogan's rookie card, but that's when you get your first um, WWF license product it was wwf okay. at the time it's wwe right. now so that's kind of why people really just like well i mean that should be it but whatever that's a really fun set bret hart's rookie card is in there i've got one of those i'm a bret hart super nice. collector um <laughs> and then from there there's a lot of um changes that happened through wrestling throughout the years different companies that that um have had the licenses um including like comics images wcw headsets hmm. um and it kind of goes up and down we didn't really hit like a like a, a really clean like linear um line with that until so tops got the license back at or got the license back around man i, I don't want to get this wrong people are going to like uh pick me <laughs> apart on this but they started to get the license around you know i'm going to have to recheck into that i know they sure. lost the license just a couple of years ago cuz panini took it um, but they were creating okay. – so we had 2014 Topps Chrome was the first year of actual Topps Chrome. But they had done Topps Heritage in years prior where you'd seen some Tops Chrome cards as well. Right. But they also had the 1998 WCW um, license Topps did. And that's when you really had your first actual Topps Chrome cards in there. Hmm. Um, but okay. then they ended up with the WWF license and they started making the Heritage I think around 2015 – Tops Heritage came out, but 2014 Tops Chrome is a very sought after set. When it comes to modern ish collecting, um, 2014. Yeah, 2014 mm. Tops Chrome is known as is one of the most sought after sets. Um, the the uh, 1998 WCW NWO set, though, they had an autograph um, insert. They basically had all of the major wrestlers, Bret Hart's in there. Uh, Hollywood Hulk Hogan at the time, Goldberg, Mr. Perfect. I mean, so many huge wrestlers at the time signed these cards. It's a clean design. They're all horizontal. And that is also one of the most sought-after sets. People collect those and try to set-collect that and have built incredible, incredible sets of that over the years. Um, Mm -hmm. So like, I typically will look at the Wrestling All-Stars as the most vintage, sought-after set, probably the preeminent set in wrestling. Then 1998, WCWNWO, the autograph inserts is way up there. 2014, Topps Chrome has a very special place. Um, And then as we start to get to more recent, so Topps had the the license all the way through 2021. Panini took it over. And this Mm -hmm. is where we hit a little bit of an inflection point because we got our very first Prism Wrestling Cards. And that, you know, in 2022 is when that set came out. And that was wild. I mean, I'm sure even folks that don't collect wrestling are aware of what happened. You know, (laughs) that set came out. Boxes were, I think, originally around like 800 bucks. They were hitting like $1,600 quickly. Cards were flying off the shelf. Yeah, just absurd prices. And it was exciting because it was great to see wrestling really get a time in the sun. But then there was a, a just a dramatic crash. I mean, I think yeah, you might even yeah. still be able to buy boxes for around 400 bucks, for like half of what they were originally oh, wow. going for. Um, I haven't looked at them th- recently, so I might be off a little bit. But right around that price, they crashed down to pretty mm. hard. But the exciting thing is uh, the Rock's one-of-one one Black Prism from that set mm-hmm. just set an all-time high for wrestling cards selling at $125,000. Yeah. So while the set is going to be remembered a little polarizing for the crazy hype in, in the in the skyrocket that it saw immediately followed by the crash, the cards hold mm-hmm. those value. Uh, I mean, a Bret Hart one of one just sold for like nine k. Uh, those cards are still the the Prism collectors want those cards, right. <laughs> just like in other yeah, sports. Yeah. Uh, and that's so, okay. That's where we are now. Panini still has a license, although it was already like, – as soon as they got the license, I think even before Prism dropped, it was announced right. that Fanatics was going to be getting the license within a few years, which means it will be going back to Tops, And we'll mm. see what happens there. I mean, for all we know, by the time that happens, Panini could be a Fanatics brand too. So we'll, we'll that's see. That's right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I really appreciate that. That's that's uh, really well said, and all in a nutshell. I, I need right. someone <laughs> – I need someone to do that do the same what you did with me here uh, for Pokemon cards so that <laughs> I'm going to look for that person next but uh, no I you, might have a really... guy I
1: can send you I got a guy who's okay, actually collecting please. the entire first set and he's trying to get them all in PSA 7s and uh, he wow. did recently within the last couple of months finally got the Charizard which yeah obviously that's the hardest Amazing. one to guess so he's he's trying to build the entire set in PSA 7 so he might be able to help you out maybe I'll send him your way
0: alright yeah please do um <laughs> All right. uh, Well, uh, you know, I had another question about the popularity of wrestling cards. But uh, before I do that, um, how did you get into wrestling cards? Like you were talking about when you're talking about your wedding story, we're talking (laughs) about football cards. So we know you're into that. But like, were you into wrestling as a kid and you got into it around that time? Or uh, was that later on during the pandemic as well?
1: So wrestling itself. I don't remember life not being a diehard wrestling fan. I, I mean, okay. I, I don't remember not being in love with Hulkamania. I, you know, I remember yes. when he lost to Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania. I was heartbroken. I was like, "This is crazy." <laughs> okay. But then I became an Ultimate Warrior fan, right? And, mm. uh, and I still to this day remember. Uh, I forget exactly which year it was now, but I was like maybe eight years old or something like that. Uh, but there was a segment where the undertaker and the ultimate warrior were facing off in a back in a, uh, a segment, you know, by a, yeah. a casket and the undertaker throws the undertaker in there and he locks it. And Roddy Piper's announcing they're screaming, he can't breathe. And they're trying to break him out as they cut the break. And I remember sitting there as a kid thinking, oh my God, he can't breathe. They got to get him out. And my mom <laughs> looks at me and go, it's all fake. And that was the moment. That was the moment where I was like, it was broken to me that wrestling is is a work. Yeah. So that, yeah, right. my entire life, though, I had been a wrestling fan. Um, I fell off a little okay. bit because it was kind of hard to keep up when I hit a certain age. It was hard to watch pay per views, and then, um, mm-hmm. in the late '90s, when it hit its peak again with the NWO specifically, I became, you know, I was like, this is. Just as amazing as I remember. And I've was i I've been a fan my entire life. Uh, Bret Hart is my all-time favorite wrestler. I'm wearing a Bret Hart t-shirt right now. I super collect nice. his stuff. So all yeah. of that is to say that I've always been a wrestling fan. Diehard. I think it's the most unique just type of entertainment that exists. There's nothing mm. else like it. And wrestling cards started to enter my sphere um, about just maybe about a year and a half to almost two years ago now. So I knew that they existed. Okay. But I didn't realize that they were like legit, I guess, right? But because of folks like you and other content creators were getting exposed to mm. so many different things, I had started to hear other people talk about wrestling cards, including uh, Brett McGrath from Stacking Slabs. I discovered yep. uh, Worlds Collide, which is a really wonderful podcast featuring Tony Vela and Zan Morning. And I started to realize, wait, this wrestling card, like there's actually like really nice wrestling cards out there. And that immediately got me going to what is Bret Hart's rookie card? Boom, 1987 Tops. I found a a raw copy that I still have. I bought one of those. And that started to open up the floodgates. But what really cemented it for me is I went to a card show. And this is why, man, I I encourage people to do two things in this hobby. One is if you can, create content. Even if it's just sharing stuff on Instagram, on Twitter, on threads, whatever it might be. And get out to shows. Get out and just see what's Mm, out there because you're going to get exposed to things that you didn't realize. So I went out to this show called the EC3 show here in Connecticut uh, where I live. Mm -hmm. It's a show that's put on by a guy that's become a friend of mine actually, but his very first show I went out and I had come across a dealer that I actually kind of knew. He's a local dealer, Uh, Ideal Sports Cards is the name of his shop. And I was was just Mm -hmm. chatting with him and I looked down and he had some really cool wrestling cards in there. And I had actually just lost a bet to two of my buddies, and I had to buy them each. A, a, we decided to be a wrestling card for about 20 bucks. So I'm looking right. through what he's got, and he had this uh, 2020 Tops Finest set, uh, or several of them, including Bret Hart, The Rock, Stone Cold, Triple H, Undertaker, and John Cena, mm. I believe. And he had these all in gold. So I'm looking at these things and going, Holy wow. moly, these are phenomenal. Yeah. And I said, How much? I'm buying. And I bought every one of them.
0: And I fell in okay. love with
1: that set specifically for a long time. Like This set is so pretty. I mean, you, you're you aware mm. of Top's Finest from, from baseball, I'm sure. Sure. Um, so seeing this set in person, I was just like hooked. And that really sent me down the rabbit hole, really started to educate myself, really started mm. to like find who I was. And it started to, I was just on a, a show, a collab that I do with my these guys, Cousin Collectibles called The Faction last night. And we were just talking about this. You know, mm. they asked me how I feel now in my collecting and things have changed over the last two years. And I said, I'm super happy. I really do believe I have one of the best Bret Hart collections, at least in the public sphere out there. Uh, I've yep. really built something special that I'm super proud to have. But I started to feel a little bit hollow because I'm neglecting baseball cards. I'm a, I'm a Mookie guy. I'm a, I'm a huge Dodgers fan. And That's I haven't nice. bought a Mookie Betts card yeah. in a long time. I'm a huge Lakers fan. I'm a huge 49ers fan. You know, I think uh, right. Fred Warner just got like, you know, he's being touted as the best linebacker in football. I don't have a Fred Warner card now. I get we don't love defensive you know, cards in, the, in this sure, hobby space, sure, but nonetheless, yeah. give me a Fred Warner card, yeah. yet I don't have one. So it's sort of a pros and cons there that wrestling has become my main focus, but I still feel a little mm-hmm. bit of that like I, I need more Clayton Kershaw
0: cards. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um well you, you mentioned I guess you really started collecting wrestling cards about a couple of years ago but even since that short period would you say the popularity of wrestling cards have grown over time? Like if you go to a local card show, do you see more booths with them or, you know, or or less?
1: So 100% popularity has risen and I know that, hmm. you know, we all know that for a few reasons. I mean, A uh, I mean, prices have gone up. I, there's even, uh, I think, on stacking slabs he was talking about recently, um, you know, the, the card ladder indexes and whatnot. And most things are down, right? And that's not in a shock. Yeah. We can't maintain where we were over the last couple of years. There's no surprise about that. Right. But wrestling still continues to show trends in the upward space. We just oh, saw the highest wrestling card sale of all time in The Rock. That Rock 1 of 1 prism broke records. Yep. We've seen multiple five-figure sales. We've seen a lot of money going into this space. So clearly, mm-hmm. it's opened up to people that are not just niche collectors. There's people out there that have got deeper pockets than I have that are buying cards yeah. that I would I can only dream about, right? Um, mm-hmm. On top of that, last year at the National... I, it was my first national in Atlantic City, and I walked the entire floor for like four or five days. I was there every single day. And there was okay. maybe, I don't want to exaggerate, maybe five or six booths that actually had a wrestling presence. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them was the great curator. Most people know who he is. Um, nice. One of them is Prison God, and he had a couple monster PSA 10s that I yeah. was really jealous about. <laughs> Um, And there was was a couple other booths as well. Now, you could see other people who had some, but it was always a really really old Andre the Giant card, which is really cool. But that was kind of it, or Hulk Hogan stuff. But you weren't seeing a variety. At that National, one of the last days I had heard that there was an F1 event that happened at some hotel. And I left Mm. the National, I got home, and I I did my reviews about it, and that was my thing. It's a little bit of a bummer how little wrestling there really was it was cool there was a wrestling panel though there was a panel of people yeah. talking about okay. wrestling cards who are, are even way more educated than i am like by far so seeing them go up there and get a chat with them was phenomenal but uh fast forward so I, I i started to think like okay what can we do to have some some sort of a better wrestling presence at the national well mm-hmm. a a a lot of those folks that were on that panel myself and others are actually going to be doing a wrestling event on that Friday at the Hyatt Regency. We're calling it the main event and we're getting, it's an invite only event. Basically you just have to subscribe. You have to send an email to Chicago main event, 2023 at gmail.com to say, Hey, I want to be there and you're going to get on the invite list. But, Mm -hmm. um, but we're getting a huge response. I mean, we're, we're tracking to do more than I thought we could do a year ago. I mean, and that's pretty telling, right? The fact that, that we're able to, host this event at you know in chicago at that time (laughs) and getting a really good positive turnout is incredible you know we're seeing the energy we're seeing how how people are responding to this and people are realizing that there is legitimacy to these cards and you can define legitimacy any way you want right i get Mm. that there's a lot of uh, a lot of people are just are looking to make money in this hobby and I get it. You know, that's there's yeah. we need that. We do need that to keep the, the hobby thriving. So people want to buy cards and look for ways to invest and I get it. And they're seeing that there is ways to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But as a straight collector, I'm just seeing so many other collectors with just incredible – enthusiasm and we're all going to get together at this event and we're going to talk about our nerddom of wrestling and it's going to be amazing (laughs) so the popularity is absolutely rising it's not going to ever be you know uh rookie quarterback hype level but nonetheless it there's a very um hungry fan base and we're seeing that
0: yeah no that's really good to hear and and we know like Wrestling fans are passionate fans, yeah. so that's that's always uh, good for the uh, wrestling card, you know, community. You know, because yeah, <laughs> you always have that at least built in demand there.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> what's interesting when you say that though is is that is a hundred percent true. But one of the like sort of like questions that long term collectors have had, so even excluding myself, mm-hmm. but that I've learned is it's funny how many wrestling collectors are out there just like spending, I don't know, you know, endless amounts of money on t shirts on action mm. figures, and on even like championship belts, but not cards. Okay, yeah. So it's always been oh, like, yeah, it, it was weird to like, you, you'd see this there is there is like really people who spend a lot of money on wrestling memorabilia and wrestling collectibles, but that money wasn't flowing into cards per se. I think we're mm. starting to see more of that. I think we're starting to see more collectors open up to what it is they want to, um, I always use it, the, the the self-expression, Right. To express themselves yeah. and their passion in this way, versus the signed boots or whatever it might be, you know. And I'm not knocking that stuff sure. at all. But it's it's fascinating how many people will spend a lot of money to to collect wrestling, but not cards. And maybe that's starting to turn a little bit.
0: Yeah, maybe it just needs more time. Like, uh, well, baseball cards has obviously has a longer history, but you know, a lot of people just collected signed autograph baseballs yeah. or other forms of memorabilia as well. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how that plays out. Um, you did mention, you know um, there are there are collectors or um, or even like um, people in the hobby that just want to buy wrestling cards to flip as an investor. And I was wondering if you could just kind of um, spend a little bit of time on that where um, you know, if people wanted to do that, if, if hobbyists wanted to do that, uh, what would what should they be looking for? Like in sports cards, you know, it's easy. you could say, you probably want to look at someone's rookie cards uh, first, probably. Then you can be more specific with like on card autographs are usually more desired. Serial numbered cards, you know, the, that have um, scarcity. Um, I was wondering if it's the same for wrestling cards or are there other factors that come into play that might add to the card's monetary value?
1: So it, it does follow a similar pattern for sure. Um, scarcity matters. Okay. Rare and scarce cards are the ones that command the most money that's why in the wrestling all-star set people are really trying to track down Mm. obviously again their in-person autographs on that set and build out those sets right because they're so much harder to get than a raw version and and that also that whole set becomes very grade dependent trying to find a psa 10 is like good luck i mean it's an old set (laughs) right came out of mag you know you had to like order through a magazine i mean it's nobody had any idea they'd be worth anything for all these years and there's questions about how many there are but so though that grade or that set does become very grade dependent um and of course you when you get to more modern eras um you you've definitely run into the same thing in the other sets where numbered cards parallels that are harder to find hold more value so if you you know if you want a rock card you know he doesn't have Two too many versus some others, actually. If you can get a a one-of-one prism, obviously that means something. Or if you can get a gold number to 10, that is where it's going to be. But of, of course. course, getting those initially, there's always that built-in cost for someone like The Rock. So you can try to prospect, uh, but prospecting in wrestling is weird. There is a never-ending debate. In the wrestling world, and this is true in some other sports as well, you know, a true rookie or whatever, but in wrestling, it gets so convoluted because like, let's, let's look at someone like Bray Wyatt. Bray okay. Wyatt is, um, uh, he's currently, uh, Bray Wyatt again, but he was the fiend and then he was Bray Wyatt with the Wyatt family. And then he's Bray Wyatt. Like, These characters, these gimmick changes. So, what's the actual rookie card? Is it when he became the fiend, if you want a fiend card? So, you start to have these, like, really big debates. And then, it is super common in the wrestling world that a lot of wrestlers will come up through the independents. And the independents will make Mm -hmm. their own cards. So... If you go after some of these guys, if you want, like, an MJF, are you going after – I think it's Limitless is the set that his, his uh, like, first independent card came in. Is that his rookie card? Okay. Or is it the upper deck one they did the uh, first AEW set, you know, back in 2021, I think, is when that set finally came out. These debates are, are like, very, very deep, and they happen endlessly in the wrestling world. But you can, can still try to do that. You know, if somebody had, was picking up Roman Reigns cards – Ten years ago when his popularity, when he was getting booed when he was the champion, they're pushing him as the biggest baby face in the company. If you were picking up his cards then, you probably had a good chance to get them a little bit cheaper. But now he is literally the hottest act in wrestling over I mean, hmm. maybe even the last 10 years. Maybe, you know, it's the the whole thing that they're doing, the, the bloodline storyline, it is just like taking over the wrestling airwaves. So now okay. if you had any of his cards, you know, from when he was in the shield. You probably got a good chance to flip those now. So you can play that like timing game a little bit, but it's just harder to predict. You know, you might see a young prospect coming up and it's it's just as difficult in baseball. So I don't really want to say it that way. But you have some inkling that, you know, Jason Dominguez has some various stats. So you think, oh, this guy might be, it. he's coming up with New York is all these reasons. You might not right. necessarily be able to predict that this random wrestler in the independence is going to go on to become the biggest wrestler in the world. You know, trying to figure that out is tricky. So you can still do it, though. I mean, there's people that are looking at right now. Grayson Waller is having a little bit of a moment. He's a guy that was in NXT, which is kind of like the minor leagues of the WWE. He's yep. come up and he's been doing this like talk show thing. He just had a, his first actual main roster match against Edge, a legend, a Hall of Famer. They're obviously going to start trying to figure out how to push him. So there's a chance that if he clicks you could start to make some money off him austin theory was a guy a couple years ago that was kind of the his his cards his rookie cards were starting to sell Mm. for a lot of money his 2020 tops finest for instance like that's his rookie card that actually has the rc logo on there uh you know those cards were selling for a lot of money but right now he is one of the most bland boring acts going and fans are just not interested in him so that could be a miss, just, just like a yeah. Zion Williamson or whatever, you know. Yeah. Although Zion Williamson still has more story to go. We'll see. But and so does Austin <laughs> Theory, right? So there are a lot of a lot of similarities there. And if you can be shrewd yeah. and and start to figure out a little bit of like who's getting a push and who's not, you can try to figure out how to make money.
0: Yeah. No. And it, that segued into my next question, which you already answered because I was wondering if there's such a thing as prospecting and wrestling as is, you know, as it is, uh, in other sports. And you, you kind of really touched upon that. And, uh, something that, uh, made me think while you're sharing, um, about prospecting and wrestling is, yeah, it's true that in pro- prospecting and sports, obviously you, you look at their stats and you see how well they do. But with wrestling, um, it's, it's almost like predicting, um, what the storyline might be, right? Yep. And, and and but then at the same time, it's hard to gauge how fans receive that storyline. Is, is that the is that really the issue in terms of prospecting in wrestling?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, dude, that is that is absolutely. I mean, good luck figuring out exactly what the fans are going to like, right? Because it doesn't matter. You can push a right. guy to be unbeatable. You can push a guy to win every single title and he never loses the title. And this is true. I mean, this happened with Roman Reigns. Before, with it when he was mm-hmm. doing the um, the head of the table bit, uh, or I'm sorry, the um, the um, I forget what it was called now, but when he was first getting his first babyface push, he was unbeatable. He was the guy, but the fans okay. were just booing him out of every arena. They were just they did not accept him. It just didn't work, right? And now yeah, he's turned into this yeah. heel character where he is the head of the bloodline, head of the table, and he is now the hottest act that's going. And all of a sudden, right. he's finally blowing up. So. But I will also make the parallel. Though. This is kind of true everywhere, though, right? Because you can look at stats, you can look at all these different things, but you know why isn't uh, Freddie Freeman more popular amongst the hobby, Good right? Point. I mean, he's
0: right.
1: He's going to go to the Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, maybe it's not the book's yeah. not done written yet, but he's one of the best hitters in baseball, and nobody really cares, right? Mookie Betts. Yeah, Mookie Betts true. has it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Mookie Betts has a market but it's not what you might expect it to be when you really go back and look like... Right. I mean, this guy was maybe second to Mike Trout for however many years. I mean, he's, you know... True. I mean, the guy's won two World Series, won an MVP, he's done all these things, and yet his market still isn't what you might expect it to be. And it still comes down to when it's all said and done, how the fans respond to you long-term anyway. In sports, yes. in, you know, stick and ball sports, you definitely get a lot more of the hype machines. You, you know, you don't see that the same in wrestling. You don't see... Uh, you know, Again, going back to like Grayson Waller, you're not going to see the crazy spikes like we're going to see for, I mean, Wemby. I mean, good luck getting a Wemby card and good yeah, luck right. figuring out how well he's actually going to do. I think he's going to do well. Yeah. I think he's going to struggle for a couple of years. Prices come down. That's probably the time to buy him. I don't know. Mm. You don't see, I don't think you're necessarily going to see those types of fluctuations because of that level of hype in wrestling, which in my opinion is mm-hmm. a good thing. I mean, there definitely are fluctuations. There definitely, you know, people get hyped up and... You know, if you decided to buy like, um, yeah, you know, Liv Morgan last year when she finally won the title, it's probably not the best time to collect Liv Morgan cards. You're probably you know, happier to buy them now or a year before that, sure. right? So,
0: no, I appreciate that insight and and uh, yeah, very helpful. Just uh, speaking to you for the last half hour, so Shane, <laughs> I, thank you for that. And um, you know what we like to do with our all our guests is just kind of I'm going to ask you if some. Rapid-fire questions, if you don't mind. Let's do it. And then we'll just end off the interview that way. All right. I always ask this first. What's your favorite PC card at the moment and why?
1: Okay. So, man, this is such an impossible question to answer, but this has kind of become (laughs) my default. So, uh, in the the first Prism set that came out for wrestling, there's the White Sparkle cards. And uh, I was able to get my hands on a Bret Hart one. That's who I super collect. That card came in, and and when the Wrestling White Sparkles came out, they were just notoriously off-center. Bad. I mean, so many of them, it was like (laughs) laughable. Like, how how are so many of these cards so way off-center? So I got this one, and it looked just perfect. It looked great. And then I had a chance to meet Bret Hart about a couple months later, and I said, this is the first time I'm ever going to meet Bret Hart. I'm going to do an autograph signing. And I decided to go with this card to get him to sign it. I stressed for days about the right pen. My wife's an artist, so she was helping me like test. Which I destroyed I don't know how many <laughs> cards. Like, how does this one look better? This one look better? And I drove two yeah. hours to meet him, stood in line with a buddy of mine, got to meet him, got to have a little laugh with him. He signed the card. I get back. I decide I don't care what happens. I just want to get it encapsulated. I send it off the PSA, and it, it got a 10-10. 10, 10. 10 mm-hmm. for the, the card and 10 for the wow. autograph. So Amazing. the fact that I got a yeah. white sparkle that was actually centered and stressed about getting the autograph just right and both of them gemmed, uh, that card stands yeah. out to me quite a bit.
0: Yeah, it's got to be. Okay, uh, great answer. Uh, do you have a grail card or card that you're still chasing and what is it? <laughs> oh,
1: man. I don't like uh, putting this one out there too much. But the thing is I actually know where it is. I know who has it. So um, the great okay. curator actually has a uh, the 2021 Top's Transcendent Brent Hart Super Fractor. He also had wow. the one of one, which I did buy off of him, uh, maybe like six four months ago now. But he has the Superfractor. It's a little out of my budget. Amazing. That is a card that I would love, just love. I don't have a single Superfractor in my refu- in my collection at all, and I've missed out on a couple mm-hmm. of Brett opportunities. So that one would, you know, I that's probably the, the piece I'm most interested in adding one day and he has said he would sell it to me but we'll see maybe okay. one day
0: okay uh, well, maybe one day all right um uh we we talked about this card already the 2022 wwe one of one black prism of the rock graded psa 7 which i believe you mentioned sold for 125 126 000 on pwcc uh what did you think about that sale price were you surprised or
1: a Not. little surprised, yeah. I was definitely a little okay. surprised. I, we so we have a very passionate uh, community, and everyone was watching this thing like a hawk, you know, because this was going to yeah. be a pretty big um, telling point about where the the market stood. We all expected mm. it to sell for a lot of money. I don't know that one twenty five was what any of us would have predicted. Mm. Um, I mean, I was really expecting. I don't know. Like I'm trying to think back now because my it, it surpassed it so quick. But I mean, like 40, 50, 60 thousand I mean, it, yeah. it blew that out the window. And um, it sure did. And there's also, you know, I'll touch on this briefly, real quick. But there's a big sort of split between vintage wrestling collectors and modern wrestling collectors. And it was mm-hmm. kind of like a galvanizing moment. It was like, look at this modern card, just set the highest record of all time. So it was it was a surprise to see it go for that much, but it was also very exciting. You know, obviously it's a card I'll never own. It's pro- probably a card I'll never even see with my own eyes. But um, mm. to see that there is that level of interest in the modern space, uh, it was
0: awesome. Yeah, yeah. It certainly was impressive. Um I didn't think it would hit six figures, but yeah, blew that, blew that expectation out of the water too. Um, A couple more, uh, you know, there's always an ongoing debate in basketball who the GOAT is, uh, obviously between Michael Jordan and LeBron. Is there a similar equivalent in the wrestling world? Like I would maybe think Hulk Hogan versus The rock, but I don't know. Is there any, is that right? Or is there someone I'm not considering?
1: Uh, Well, I think you're definitely missing Stone Cold. Um, okay. St- uh, Steve Austin is absolutely in that of argument. Course, yeah. A
0: lot of people will make the argument for Ric
1: Flair. But um, I actually did a um, last, uh, f- man, I'm forgetting how long ago now. I did a uh, on my socials, a whole bracket tournament or is it like a World Rumble oh, nice. style to determine yeah. who the greatest wrestler of all time was <laughs> and trying to get many votes. And in that, obviously, I ran it. So it's the most official thing out there Stone Cold won. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> um, but if you ask me, so there is a debate, and I, I say it's it's Hogan. For me, hmm. wrestling doesn't exist where it is without what he did in the '80s, and yeah. then it doesn't exist where it is in the now for what he did in the late '90s with the NWO. I mean, he basically revolutionized okay. the industry twice. I don't know what else a guy can do to be the GOAT. Austin absolutely took what. What Hogan started in the late 90s and ran with it in the Attitude Era was basically right. him and The Rock. But I think Austin is is a little bit above The Rock. Um, mm, okay. So, for me, it's Hogan. But, yeah, there's debate. John Cena is in that conversation. People are, starting oh, interesting. To, people are starting to talk about Roman Reigns being in that conversation. I mean, he's setting records, which, you know, in the hmm. wrestling world is a little – I mean <laughs> – they can choose who sets the records, but nonetheless, you know. So there's yeah. definitely people that are in the conversation outside of outside of The Rock and Hogan, but The Rock is still by far the most uh, transcendent. I mean, his popularity outside of wrestling is why his card set the record. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, no, that's good to know. And lastly, uh, if you um, listen to our podcast, which I know you do, uh, with these guest interviews in this rapid fire. We always end off with a more Canadian-centric question because we are uh, um, three Canadians running this pod. But um, it's 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 a no-brainer what I'm going to ask you. You know, you're a fan of one of our beloved Canadian <laughs> wrestlers who's been inducted into Canada's Walk of Fame. His name, of course, is Brett the Hitman Hart, born in Calgary, Alberta. Um, what is it about Bret Hart you like as a wrestler? Yeah, just curious why you are a super fan.
1: So it's funny... Um... Like now as, you know, a middle-aged, you know, middle-aged man, um, (laughs) I look back on his career and it's hard to, it is hard to overstate just how good he was in the ring. I mean, he called himself Mm -hmm. the greatest technical wrestler ever. And as a kid, I didn't really know what that meant, right? But as an adult, you can go back and watch his stuff, the way he sells, the way he carries a match, the way he calls a match, because that's what will happen in wrestling a lot is there'll usually be a guy who's calling the match in the ring and setting the story and, I mean, he was a storyteller, just really unlike anybody else. I truly believe that when it comes to straight technical ability, there are people as good as Brett. There's nobody better than Brett. There's people who did it mm. differently. You know, you know, he wasn't a um, a high spot. What they might, what you hear the term a like, lot. He wasn't a spot monkey. You know, so he's not doing these crazy flips. Which, and I'm not knocking that stuff at all. Okay. I think it's awesome. So his his technical ability and the way that he constructed a match was just. It's nobody did it better even to this day, in my opinion. Now, as a kid, Mm -hmm. I think it was just the cool factor, man. The long, greasy <laughs> right. hair, the glasses, the, the pink and black. Yeah, I mean, who, who else was wearing pink and black with hearts on it? He'd go out and yeah. give the kids to a, you know, give the glasses to some kids. I always wished I was that kid, man. And I just uh, right. then he started rocking the leather jackets. And and really, we could talk a lot about what Hogan did for the industry. We can talk about what Austin did for the industry. People sleep on how much impact Brett had on helping launch. He was hmm. the catalyst for the Attitude Era with some of his uh, work shoot promos that he was cutting, and then it led to the screw job it's yeah. a whole different conversation but um yeah i mean I, I can go back and watch a bret hart match anytime and look at it and go holy man i didn't realize how well he did that i mean look at that just a simple bump there and like the way he's selling that is better right. than anything we see on tv
0: today so yeah yeah that's my guy well appreciate the canadian love there and uh yeah thanks uh shane for your time uh, I plugged your Instagram and Instagram thread socials, but I know you're a part of other things in the hobby content, um, world. Uh, do you want to plug anything, um, uh, upcoming or any of the shows you're on?
1: Yeah, sure. So you can, you can definitely check me out. The, the podcast that I run is, um, somebody just called it recently, like an audio diary of my time through the, the hobby. And I think that's a good way to put it, but yeah, that's a sports card, nobody podcast. Yeah. At sports card, nobody's yep. you can find me on all my socials. Um, And really, the big thing is coming up at the National. If you guys, if anybody's going to be at the National, if you're a wrestling fan in any form or fashion, come check out the main event. You can just email Chicago Main Event 2023 at gmail.com. We'll get you on that invite list. It's going to be giveaways. It's going to be such a great atmosphere. Come out and check that out. And it's going to be a good time.
0: All right. Yeah, everyone go meet Shane if you're in Chicago for the National. All right. Thanks, Shane. Um, Yeah, we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Clark. Hey, thanks for listening to Cards to the Moon. We'd really appreciate you subscribing to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can also connect with each of us on Instagram at fivecardguys, or you can follow Hyung at Integrity Sports Cards, or John at Trade you at Recess. You can also check us out at fivecardguys.com. Thanks again and hope to connect soon.